General Jim Mattis, 40 years in the U.S. Marine Corps. <clears throat> How do you keep improving as a leader to meet the demand of each role in your career? We all get promoted, you have different roles to play. How do you stay teachable as a leader? I think the most important thing here, uh, Joel, is that you have to assume you must keep improving. If you make that your decision, that you must improve, if you look at every week in the Marine Corps as your last week of peace, and you must be better at the end of this week as a warfighter, then you'll push yourself on your three-mile run down to 18 minutes, and you'll accept no excuses. You'll push yourself 21 pull-ups, and you'll accept no excuses. You'll push yourself to read the Commandant's reading list. You'll push yourself that when the things are going tough in the field, you keep your spirit up and you're the man everyone can turn to, knowing that you don't give up. And you just keep improving every day with the assumption that if you're gonna lead more Marines in the future as you get promoted, they expect you to be the physically toughest the mentally sharpest and the spiritually just the uh, most undiminished person that nothing, not cold, not rain, not enemy situation, not frustrating rules can get you down. And you just maintain this body, mind and spirit improvement at all times. You stay teachable most by reading books, by reading what other people went through. I can't tell you the number of times I looked down at what was going on on the ground, or I was engaged in a fight somewhere, and I knew within a couple of minutes how I was gonna screw up the enemy. And I knew it because I'd done so much reading, I knew what I was going to do, because I'd seen other similar situations in the reading, I knew how they'd been dealt with successfully or unsuccessfully. And so long as you continue along this line, so long as you remember somebody on the other side is watching, hoping, that you're not at the top of your game, that you're not reading, that you're not working out, that you're not strong spiritually, then they're gonna think they've got you. You wanna always be the toughest, the sharpest out there. We have a great episode for you guys, but before we get into that, I wanna thank my sponsors over at BioWave. BioWave is a non-opioid way to block chronic or acute pain at the push of a button. It's VA-recognized, VA-prescribed, FDA-cleared, and made in America. BioWave is used by over 30 VAs and even professional sports teams. If you are a veteran or active military that needs help managing pain, visit BioWave.com and learn how to get treatment at no cost. You can visit BioWave.com slash customers, BioWave.com slash testimonials, or BioWave.com slash VA. Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. I have a very special guest on with me, uh, Changiz Lahiji, and uh, Changiz uh, finished up as a Master Sergeant with the U.S. Army Special Forces, uh, served for a very long time in some very unique roles uh, while serving the United States government, and um, we're going to get into all of that. Uh, Changiz is also the author of a book that was recent, recently released called Full Battle Rattle. Uh, Changiz, how's it going? Very good. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. No worries. So your your book just came out. Uh, what day did it release? I believe released on the 6th February this month. Okay. So yes. 
and and the book is available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. That's um, yeah, yes. Uh, published by Saint Martin's Press. So this this book really dives into full detail on your life story and and uh, which was, you had a long career serving. Uh, first, you served in the Iranian military, and then you ended up serving in the United States Army uh, as a Green Beret. Um, so can we start with the beginning, obviously, um, with what happened in 1979? Sure. Things were very unstable in Iran with the uh, revolution taking place and the um, the overthrow of the Shah and everything like that. Can we just start with the beginning and how you got involved in that, that entire process? Yes. Uh, as you know a little bit, I am born in Iran, in the capital city of Tehran, and I uh, finished high school. To do, to get out the country, you have to serve the uh, military at least two years. Uh, but you, if you have money rich, you can go and uh, put the money in the bank for the government that you should come back. So I joined the Army Special Forces Iran, uh, spent three and a half years. I came to America in 1974, worked for my brother gas station in San Jose, California. After a couple of years uh, work, uh, went to school at night, but I told myself this is not for me. Uh, America is my adopted country. I love it very much since I was a kid, watching John Wayne movie or uh, James Bond movie. Uh, I'm going to come here and do something better. So I joined the military, U.S. military in 1978. I had a very nice man. Uh, recruited me by next to our house in Stephen Creek Boulevard. And I told him what I want. I told him I want to be a ranger and Green Beret. He said, you? I said, yeah. What's wrong with me? Oh, nothing. Just a uh, pretty uh, tough job. I said, I want to try it. So I went to basic training for Lenwood, Missouri. I never see cold weather in my life that long, <laughs> that much. Believe me that. So I... I, I did my best and uh, finished a basic, went to Sam Houston, uh, uh, for Sam Houston, Texas, I uh, finished my um, medical and jumbo school. The jumbo school, I broke my leg, but I didn't tell anybody I broke it. I finished it after three weeks. I was limping all the way. Then I went to Fort Bragg after the graduation. Uh, went to prefix, used to be prefix, uh, pre-phase for Green Beret, now they call it selection. Basically, same thing, but the old days is uh, much, much different than these days. So I got my goal, I got uh, spend, uh, went to Ranger School, Ranger Battalion, one year, Ranger School, finished the Special Forces. During the training, and uh, when I got my flash, those days, it wasn't you, uh, especially courses tap, it was flash. If you graduate, you get flash in your brain, green brain. So, one of these days, I was sitting in the uh, day room watching the uh, news. You know, I was on a beginning of 1979, the people talking uh, about hostage, and a lot of guys that didn't know me, some of them, but some of them that they know me. 
they embarrass me from the lot of people. Hey, changes, come on, look at your your brothers, uh, raghead, uh, try to kill Americans. We're gonna nook them. I was very upset about that. So long story short, uh, we get fight, this fight, a couple times. A lot of my friends, they know me very well, back me up, uh, support me. And from that point, I said, well, this doesn't work. Uh, they don't need, I'm not belong to here, you're not American. So I had to prove it that I am one of those guys. So I had a mission. I told my uh, Sergeant Major old guy and uh, my group commander, I'm going to go one-man team to help and do something. Uh, Intel, pass it out to the uh, higher ranks to get hostages out. So this is a part of the story. I wonder what you're on by myself and did a lot of, lot of good things, a lot of dangerous things. And, but fortunately, uh, didn't work because accident happened in desert. Right. But, uh, in a, in a, uh, city of close to the city of home, that, uh, the holy city anyway. So I did, uh, I couldn't stay no more longer. I was afraid they were going to, Capped me and uh, the, put me in the jail. So I did DNA, came back, went to uh, south of Iran, uh, the, close to Shatel Arab, close to Kuwait and Iraq. From Kuwait, I DNA uh, to the state. This is the first part of it we're talking about. And that, what happened? Yes, sir. That um that accident that took place in the desert. Uh, you're referring to when um it was uh. Uh, Delta Force, a team of Delta Force Correct. Uh, commandos were staging in the desert to then insert uh, themselves and and right. go and, and rescue the hostage, American hostages at the embassy. Uh, but the the aircraft that they were going to fly in on, one of them, if I remember correctly, one of them tipped over and bumped Correct. into another one, and it you know, there was a big crash. And yes, I, after that incident. That led right. to the formation of the Joint Special Operations Command, or JSOC, where they had representatives from each branch to be able to coordinate operations and stuff like that. Correct. Uh, and it, it became like a much more fluid process moving forward. Correct. Yes, sir. So then you, you eventually made it back to the States, right? Yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. Back to the state and uh, landed in the Charlotte, North Carolina. From there, I took from there to Fort Bragg. And everybody, they saw me, they, they were in shock and uh, gave me a hug. And so, we are glad you came back. Uh, nobody knew about it. I could not talk about it for anybody for me. Many, many years was classified. These are, even my family didn't know, none of them, even my Dad, my uncle, they were in Iran. Uh, my uncle was high ranking in a DA at the police department, and uh, nobody knew uh, I'm coming to Iran or because I want to make sure I can get in and get out. And uh, when, when the book came out, uh, everybody in my family read, uh, I, I gave him a couple of books. I said, Wow, why you didn't tell us? I said, I can't tell you anything about mission. <laughs> So this is a story about that part. Right. And 
and uh, you, you go ahead ask me. I I, I answer you back because I, I don't know what you're going to ask me you, or what should I keep talking or not. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about um, then very shortly after, I'm going to assume, is uh, when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan and then that yeah. that conflict took place, um, you were involved in training some of the Mujahideen in Correct. Afghanistan and Pakistan to fight against the Soviets. Can we talk about some of that? Correct, sure. Well, uh, as as you, as everybody knows, special forces, uh, they have it. we go different country every time, every year, two, three times, different country is called MTT, Military Training Task for Special Forces. Our job is teach and fight for freedom and uh, and try to come back. Yeah. So my, my team assigned for... Uh, uh, go to uh, one team, go to the Pakistan, uh, from Pakistan, went to Pakistan, from Pakistan, came to uh, Afghanistan, and uh, we met a lot of Mujahideen, and we trained him for, uh, I would say, 60 days. She was supposed to be there 90 days, but during that time, because I speak Dari Fununli and Farsi Fununli, Dari from uh, Tajik in Afghanistan, and most Afghanis speak uh, Dari and most of them, different most of them, they speak uh, Pashto. I don't know Pashto. If I see the, if people talk to me the face to face, I can figure out what they want. Yeah. But now, not teaching, not talking, no. So I did a lot of, we did a lot of cashing, a lot of ammo in the caves uh, for Mujahideen. And uh, and one of a couple of days when I was off uh, for relaxing, uh, a lot of guys. I know Afghani, I drove with them, five, six of them, go to the Kabul, to the Panjshir. Panjshir is one of the the big city and nice city. All the fighters, Mujahideen, lived, used to live there. I don't know yet, yet, yet now. And one of the uh, the fighter called Shah Masood, uh, have you seen the, the book or heard from somebody? He was, he was calling a lion for the... Uh, Mujahideen, very, very powerful man, fighters uh, for freedom. I met him and he thought I'm a poem writer or poem reader. I said, no, no, because the, my name was one of the Iranian, but I, I didn't know, honest with you. The one of the Iranian name is Chengiz. He, he writes poem about everybody. He, he loves the guy. I said, hey, Shah Masood, I'm not poem writer. I'm a Green Brave. The Special Forces of America came here to help you guys. As soon as he heard that, he patted my shoulder, uh, sit with him, drink a couple of tea, dinner together. And uh, after that, he was uh, pleased. And I drove with those four or five guys to the Kabul, get some intel what's going on with the Soviet uh, troops, large Soviet troops. But I don't know how I made it, but I made it. Came back to uh, base camp and... Uh, we came home, and and having the the background that you have, and um, being from Iran, I would imagine that it's easier for someone like yourself to blend in in some of these environments. Yes, sure, because well, you know I'm I'm a little bit darker skin, and uh, they speak the local language, and uh, I could blend in perfect. I put those uh, Afghani clothes for patu. And a hat and uh, dark glasses. Uh, and uh, but when I went to the city, uh, 
and I had to hide my uh, my pistol under my uh, pe- uh, my shirt so nobody can see, uh, see that uh, only for protection. Right. So let's um. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, after you graduated and and you became a Green Beret, what was your specialty as a Green Beret? The first, okay, there's a there's a best part. The first one because I was medic. To be medic is very long process to graduate. It takes one year just middle school, medic school. Then you have to go phase two and phase three. So in the middle of medic, the terminology of a, a medical, I could not understand it. It was hard for me. I still I don't speak English well. So I I didn't feel anything, but I told my because we used to stay in the uh, used to call IMA Institute Military Assistance those days. Now they call SWEC, SWC. Uh, uh, so I told my first well, the first sergeant, not team sergeant, uh, listen, it isn't this is too hard for me. I, I don't understand it. I don't please uh, let me uh, change my MOS. You let me change my MOS so the weapons then. So he was agree. He was very nice guy, Sergeant uh, First Sergeant Montgomery. I never forget about his name. And uh, before I got to A team, be honest with you, I was in the A team because the A team used to train uh, uh, processing for the uh, for the student to come be A team, come to the group. Uh, training for 45 days, teaching rucksack, map reading, patrolling, everything. The team sergeant over there, it was Phil Quinn uh, from ODAF 561. Soon as he find out I'm from Iran and the Iran military, he grabbed me and said, from this day, you are my team. You better pass the test. <laughs> this from this. Yes, be honest, it is un- unbelievable. So from this, for medic, when I couldn't make it, so I went to the uh, Fort Benning again for uh, 11 Bravo. Those days used to be 11 Bravo, 11 Charlie, every 11. But since I believe 91 or 89, they changed MOS and Special Forces yeah. as an 18 series. Right, right, right. So now I grab 11 Bravo, 11 Charlie, light and heavy weapon together. So it was 16 weeks training. I finished that. But during the, during the training on the uh, 18 Charlie motor training, a lot of guys was prejudiced about me. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't want me to be a green brave because they think I'm an Iranian, foreigner, whatever. They believe I just uh, respect. I don't care anymore. So as soon as in the test, they, they kicked the bipod from the uh, uh, motor 60 and deuce, and ha- uh, deuce uh, four deuce actually, um, and um, I said, why you do that? Oh, you didn't pass it, man. Go over there. Uh, a specialist. I was a specialist that time. E4, corporal. So this happened twice. Then I told my sergeant major from fifth group, uh, uh, Sergeant Major Lopez, uh, Lopage, uh, command sergeant major. He came to the, to the uh, weapons school and told the guys, listen, do not mess with the guy. I don't want to give him favor. Test him. That definitely, we need this guy. We need this guy. He's a valuable as everywhere. 
you believe it or not. So he stand up and guys test me. I'm accent. I got 100% every test that those guys could not do anything wrong to me. So, uh, like I said, I was in the A-team since 1970, late 79. And uh, I spent uh, 20 years plus in A-team without any break. A lot of people, uh, especially some officers, jealous. And, oh, no, we have spent 30 years. I said, okay, you spent 30 days. Sure, 30 years. I'm 30 years, but you spent two years in the A-team. Rest, the rest of the time, you guys are spending the office paperwork. Every time they came to me and said, hey, we have to go to do office or paperwork. I said, I don't know. No comprehend the English. <laughs> There's well my excuse, but uh, yes, I'm glad I did that because that's why I signed up. Be a green brave, be in the A-team with, with my brothers and uh, fight for freedom. And you, you stayed with fifth group your entire career? No. I stayed fifth group. Uh, uh, as you know, the first special forces group used to be in the Vietnam. Then I was then uh, drawn after Vietnam, de de activated. But 1984 activated, they wanted most of the people from two groups, fifth and seventh, hand pick go to first group. So, so I was one of them, but uh, the was jealousy. Command Sergeant Major did not want me from seventh group. I go be the part of first group. Reason he said, You speak Farsi Arabic. I said, Yes, I am, but there's nothing in my record 2 1. I used to be 2 1. I, I right now they call 214 now, I believe. Yes, it is 214. So, uh, but I told a lot of guys they know me. I said, Anyway, I got it, my foot in the first group, went to Fort Lewis, Washington, built up the, the different teams. I was ODA 174. I uh, went to ODA 174. I stayed Fort Lewis a couple of years. Then uh, from first, from uh, Fort Lewis, they PCS me to first group, Special Forces, Okinawa, Japan. Only one company was there, Charlie Company, with the hostage rescue team. I stayed there for almost uh, first time six years. Over in and, Okinawa? Yes, Okinawa, yes. Uh, uh, base Tori, Camp Tori, what I call Base Tori, yeah. Toria Station, put it this way, yeah, Toria Station. We don't call it Camp Toria Station. And from there, as, uh, I was there when the golf broke up. Uh, yeah, a couple of big sergeant majors from group and SOCOM, Special Forces came to Okinawa for uh, inspection. Then I know a couple of them very well. They know very well. I said, listen, a war start. Uh, please send me from here straight to golf. Well, we cannot do that. So why? Well, you have to go sign to first fifth group again. Then they're going to send you. I said, so imagine wasting money. Why? I'm here. You guys just write the order. I go straight to the people that I know fifth group. So it didn't happen. I went from there in 1991 to Fort Campbell because fifth group left from Fort Bragg to Campbell and third group replaced it. So I was in the Fort Campbell for less than uh, two or three months. You have to go to processing. God, I could, uh, you, you, 
You don't know about that. There's a long. So I get my foot to the Saudi Arabia with the uh, went to forbidding first processing from for Saudi from there. Attached to the AC, did a lot of recon, a lot of intel, and we came back on the April, April, May sometimes, back to uh, Fort Campbell. And and all the work you were doing that was in Iraq. Oh, yeah, I did Iraq, but uh, not more than the six to ninety days. Yes, I didn't. Uh, I didn't involve in that that uh, that much uh, action. But what well, action was my life in action? Put it this way: I did not kill anybody. I, but uh, I was in action in Iraq. Yes, came back. Uh, we did uh, processing again. Uh, but after after August, I got a special assignment. Uh, worked for FBI in New York uh, with two more guys. Didn't even uh, yeah. One guy said he speak Arabic very well. Uh, my I guess it was okay. Is not my judgment. But my judge, my my uh, assignment was uh, Intel, speak Farsi, Arabic, go work for new uh, FBI, uh, IT2, International Tourism, with Squadron 2nd, uh, 2. So I did about uh, 15 months work for them. They, they didn't want to leave me because they, I did, I guess I did a good job. I don't know. And, and you guys were doing work. Uh... Gathering evidence with uh, on uh, Omar. Sure. Uh, yes, Omar, Abdul yes. Rahman, yeah. Correct. I did that in the mosque, not a mosque. Then uh, I keep my eyes open. See what's going on. They they were very pleased of that. And and he was involved with uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Um, correct. Who was then? He was really kind of the mastermind of the nine eleven attacks. That's correct. And um and they ended up. Like hunting him down, I think I don't remember. How, it, was, it wasn't too long afterwards, maybe no. two or three years, or something like that. Yeah, I, correct. Yeah. You know this. Yes. Um. So, so then after that, um, you were in Somalia during the Black Hawk Down incident as well, right? Well, the black, yeah. Well, the thing is, we want to work as a mission, as a, as a. Uh, a humanitarian mission for the food supply to the people right. in the UN compounds. Uh, I was uh, with the ODA, and uh, and uh, because I was that time I was new to everybody. Nobody really know me, but old guys uh, from Fort Bragg that a different battalion, different uh, different teams. They, they know me who I was. So we went over there, a couple team over there. I did a couple good things. And I hate I kill people. That's not it. But I, you know, like I said, better than them and me get killed. Right. So there's a fact. So I did that. Yes, I did that with the team. Uh, but I wasn't there that long. I was there probably a month or so. Then we came. Uh, I came back. Then after that, I I got PCS again. Went to Monterey, California. I took the advanced Arabic course. And from there, uh, I P PCS in the step fifth group. They sent me back to third group for Bright North Carolina. That was around the May or May or yeah May or I think it was May, uh, May I believe May or May. We sent me to third special forces group because third also activated 
uh, Turk also went to uh, Iraq uh, also, but I wasn't with them. Uh, so from there, uh, I had my company commander from uh, first group called Kay, Rob, um, uh, William Kay, and Colonel uh, group commander Boyette, Mark Boyette, was group commander, and Colonel uh, uh, Kay was a battalion commander. They couldn't, they, they couldn't believe when I was there, just uh, grabbed me, they gave me hug, and after a couple months, Haiti broke up, after you, as you know. So we hold battalion, actually most battalion, a second battalion, uh, we went to second, I think it was second battalion, we went to uh, Haiti, August 1994. We stayed there, because uh, I get along with everybody. Uh, it was, it was miserable place. Yeah. Very miserable place. Uh, heat, humidity, and no uh, water. Well, you know, the water, the supply for us, we are staying in the, in the, the drops, actually, runway, because Rangers, uh, before we go there, we went to Guatemala, the whole battalion. So get, uh, get ready, almost uh, 1520 uh, CH-53, uh, Chinook, a uh, couple of black, the Black Hawk, I think the Black Hawk also. Uh, they were there, Ranger landed, second battalion, and uh, they did a coordinate with the commanders. They went first and uh, secured the DZ uh, for us, and we landed. We did not jump anything, we just landed. But my rucksack was got 130, 140 pounds. <laughs> I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk, trust me. Not only me, everybody. Two weapons, stuff like that. Uh, it was we had M16 those days there because M4 didn't come out yet. Uh, so it was good. We helped. Uh, we after a couple of weeks, uh, we supposed to invade it, but President Carter and Colonel Powell uh, they talked to the people other side. So instead invade Haiti, we did a little peace, peace uh, negotiation and uh, humanitarian uh, help. So, but we did a lot of house-to-house -house, uh, search. We, my team, ODA three two six, we confiscate almost twenty four, twenty five hundred weapons. M one, um, M three, Griscon, Uzis, everything. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. We helped. We have a lot of people, and uh, especially. The kids, because I love kids, I love people. After two, three months, I know some of them. We play soccer with them uh, in the, and we got the house up the hill was belonged to American nurse. She was married to Haitian, very perfect guy, perfect guy, very honest, very human being. And and how long did you guys stay in Haiti total? I stay nine months, but the rest of them stay 15, 16 months. The reason I stay nine months because my mom, well, emergency came through. She was in a hospital in Santa Clara. So it was almost she died, but I came home. She was alive. Yeah. I stay home, but about two weeks. But that time I went back to Haiti. 
all my team, everybody were, were in the unit, and they 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 took the, all our M16. They give us a uh, new, uh, brand new M4 rifles. It's much, I like it much, much better. No, no, for no, no. We, we stay, uh, we stay for brag with the range uh, zero and everything. Uh, for everything we have, uh, everything for brag. This time I did not go for bidding. No. Mm, okay. Yes. And um, you also did some work in. Um in Beirut and Lebanon. Uh, yes, I did. So I, you know, and, and uh, there was a big incident there where there was a, a bombing at the embassy. Um, Correct. And this was when uh, Ronald Reagan was president, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Correct. Yes. Well, it was, it was a Reagan. Reagan. Yes, he was president. And uh, uh, the Middle East assignment is most of the time belongs to fifth special forces group. But uh, at that time, uh, we had so much backup stuff to do, so only a couple team went to a, a third battalion, went to Beirut, not not from second battalion, and also ten special forces group. Uh, I don't know how many team was there also. So we our mission was that before bombing happened, we we did a lot of training for uh, for the, the militia. Uh, Christian militia to tra train him, supply everything for them, technique to against the Hezbollah. They, they were fighting against Hezbollah for a while. Correct. Yes, correct. I get. I don't know. Still doing or not? I have no idea. I'll be honest with you. But they, at that time, they were. They were doing stuff like that. So, so when M we were at the, uh, the safe house, when embassy blew up, wow! I, I said, what happened? What was the, the, the noise come from so after a couple of years we saw oh, yeah we're in the big smoke uh, so we drove the our, uh, our vehicle those days we, we didn't have home i don't think no the, we had the, uh, the toyota white uh, uh, pickup truck so we went to close to embassy show our id card we started helping people the marine was so happy we helped them they appreciate it and uh, and uh, then uh, I stayed there, I guess, 45 days, 45 days. And uh, another night, we are doing uh, training, uh, patrolling. Uh, we saw, I saw uh, people top the roof of my, my nine, uh, nine o'clock uh, uh, shooting. So a cover and uh, ricochet hit my right leg, blow my knee. Uh, but it wasn't that much. By I, I lay down, and uh, and and my medic Patrick, big guy, good medic. So say you okay, Shangis? You okay? I say yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm gonna make it. But I couldn't walk though. I cover myself, uh, down ground, went behind the behind the wall, and uh, he came follow me. He put the uh, strap bandage in my leg, tied it. But but that time we tried to fire back. Those were fire back. Nobody was there. So I just said, uh, you know, hold me, went to safe house. Then he told me, you want me to report it? I said, report it? Report for what? I said, no, no, please don't. I don't like it because I'm, I'm okay. Report, don't report anything. So it took me about three, four days. I was on my foot doing the same thing again. 
Before we continue the conversation with Changiz, I'd like to give a thank you to my sponsors over at BioWave. BioWave is a non-opioid way to block chronic or acute pain at the push of a button. It's VA-recognized, VA-prescribed, FDA-cleared, and made in America. BioWave is used by over 30 VAs and several professional sports teams. BioWave is used by Naval Special Warfare, the Pentagon, Walter Reed, hundreds of college sports teams, and several professional sports teams. If you are a veteran or active military that needs help managing pain, visit BioWave.com and learn how to get treatment at no cost. Go ahead, yeah, Chinese, if you could tell us, tell the audience a story of 2002 when you were in Afghanistan, if you can give some background on that. Right. 2002, I was working for State Department, uh, company USIS, contractor, uh, teaching cars eye detail. And every uh, eight, nine weeks, we had a couple days downtime. So, like I said before, I speak fluently Farsi Dori. And I have a lot of friends over there. They speak Pashto, Dari. So I I heard the government uh, uh, reward $25 million for finding Bin Laden. So I told my colleague the day was off, three, four days. Uh, his name is John. I don't want to say his last name. So I said, John, I'm going to go find this guy. So we go get him, get money. He said, yeah, good, good call. He said, uh, I need a three days off. So go for it. So I took uh, three days off with uh, four, uh, two patch, two, one dotty guy. They all do anything for me still now and myself. We drove from uh, Kabul to the Abdullah's family, Tora Bora uh, area. So, uh, so we went to a valley, top the hill, and the next, not same day, next day, okay, the next day. So we know the address. Pashto with them, carry my gun under my uh, my shirt again. They do they do the same thing, up the hill, and uh, we kneel down and flat on the top of the hill, hiding behind the trees. And say, Chinese, Chinese, so what? Look at, I saw 20, 25 people with a full five uh, Toyota, white Toyota, and uh, and. Uh, a couple tall guy. One tall. One guy was taller than everybody else. And said, "Gotta be." He said, "Change it. This is it. This is it." Said, what? It's Bin Laden. So I look at it again with Blancos very, very closely. He said, "My God." So my my guts was go get him, but it was wrong, wrong idea because there were 25, 30 people over there. Four, four, four of us with a pistol. That that doesn't cut. So I drew the map. Map, map, see where I am, where we saw the guy, what exactly he was. I came back with this guy, stay Abdullah's uh, uh, uncles at night, drink a good tea, a good dinner. And after next day, we took off uh, in the morning, came back to camp. Then I told John, John, hey man, I saw that. Uh, so I went to embassy, to embassy, US embassy. Uh, U.S. Embassy was old embassy those days. Now it, they've spent a lot of money, a lot of money. Uh, so I went to tell me, uh, I need to talk to Intel officer or attache. I told him status. I gave him uh, a scratch map. Hey, this is it. This is around here. Then, uh, and he said, okay, very good, very good. Let me wait, 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 wait. I'm going to get a couple more guys. 
couple more guys, those guys came talk to me. So, oh, good job. We we'll let you know. So, let me know. Okay. So, I'm getting involved with it. Well, we we'll let you know. Don't worry about uh, uh, Mr. Lahiji. They call me Mr. Lahiji. They don't call me Mr. I'm a Shangese. So, I went back to the Count the Town, do my duty next day. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I told John, John, what's going on, man? Hey, man. To me, to me, those days, uh, right now, 15, 16 years ago, we, after this, we want to catch Bin Laden because if we did that, the war was over. We have to come home, everybody come home. So it's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Hopefully, I don't go to the jail when I say that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but to me, uh, we should we should destroy him right there that time instead spend billion billions of dollars to do our taxpayer. We have so many people starving this country, even around the world. They need help. But that's not my uh, my call. Um that that talk is above my uh, paycheck, so I'm not gonna talk about it. Right, and, and that led to, you know, years and years of fighting, even, you know, still today they're fighting in Afghanistan, but... Sure, sure, sure. So you, you retired in 2001, right, from the Army. This is post-military uh, for you. Correct, yes, but if you're correct, correct. January. Okay, so uh, you still continued for a couple of years to do work for the State Department? I did after... after from 2001, 2001, uh, 2012, I worked for a State Department uh, as a contractor, security. I worked for a couple private company too. Uh, I worked for uh, NPRI in, uh, in Europe, gather, uh, gathering information from making sure bases safe. I worked for PAE in the uh, uh, Lockheed Martin in the Darfur. Uh, uh, Darfur. If you want to ask me about Darfur, I can tell you that that place uh, it was challengeable. Good people, uh, poor, but uh, as as you know, money always talks. Right. What else you want to ask me? I'd be glad to bring it um, up. I would like to talk about uh, 2003. Um, in Iraq uh, with the, oh, okay. uh, the incident in Fallujah? Yeah, uh, uh, Fallujah was actually uh, late 2003. I was, I, was, I was working in Afghanistan, then I went to Iraq with different company. Uh, I was there for 90 days contract. Uh, I was uh, doing the convoy, uh, food supply from uh, Iraq, Baghdad, to Fallujah, then uh, and uh, it was a black war was uh, also there too. Dynacor was there too, of course, and a couple more. I I I, I want to mention. So we, I was I, I was in the first or uh, convoy. Then uh, people another convoy front of us. So they got attacked with the rubbles by the bridge. They grabbed the, uh, grabbed the four Blackwater guys and snatched him very bad. And we tried to go back, but we couldn't. We couldn't 
you know, we, we already passed, passed the uh, point and it was hard for us to go back in. It was too late. So uh, that was very tense. That was very, very scary time for me too. But uh, I'm, I'm sorry what happened to them. It was a bad moment. Shouldn't happen, but it has happened. Yeah, that that was a pretty big incident. Um, I remember it being on the news and everything. And uh, you're right. Uh, four of the guys were like dragged out of their vehicle and like yes, uh, burned uh, burned and like hung from a bridge and um, for the bridge, correct, correct. And I, I think at least one of them was a retired Navy SEAL. If I don't, if I yes. remember correctly. Yes, you're correct. Yes, retired. Yes, correct. Just most of the guys you know, went with me. Most of them were retired from military. Right. And still, SF, uh, Marine, uh, Army, they were, they were, yes, correct. And uh, it was, it, it was really honest to God, I uh, feel bad and until now. Uh, I, I couldn't do anything. We tried, we tried, but uh, there were so many people over there. So many people. Right, it was like a mob, like an angry mob. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, and then I, I remember subsequently, um, I believe it was a, a SEAL team that, that was kind of hunting down the people responsible for that, and, and there was like a whole big situation with the media and whatnot. It was. Um, so then, uh, you know, you mentioned Darfur. Uh, yes. Which is in the Sudan and, and Africa, and um, if anyone knows anything about that place... Uh, it's a very difficult place. Um, there was genocide taking place there, and uh, yes. uh, you know, among many bad things that happened there. Um, yes. Wh what exactly were you doing in the Sudan? I was uh, called ceasefire monitor. My my uh, my duty was I uh, go with patrol every day. Uh, they had a, a vehicle uh, Japanese called Buffalo vehicle like a Mercedes-Benz and truck we go take the supply food fuel to different location of camp that every US or US personnel there to, to record the incidents as rape fire killing so come to embassy embassy give it to UN, so make decision what they should do. Uh, I, every day, every day, uh, five, six days a week, I did uh, convoy, uh, escort the convoys to the different location. And to be honest with you, even horse cannot go that area. It's so bad. Dry, heat, uh, um, is very very dangerous. Rebels, they have thousand different uh, tribes that fight you. And uh, uh, the the best thing I did because I, I spoke Arabic, uh, and but the the accent from Sudanese totally different and modern standard of Arabic. But mm. they would understand me perfect, no problem. So one of these days, nobody, nothing done this until I was there. Honest to God, there's a true story. I went to the commander. He was from South 
Africa and uh, the UN compound said, listen, let me go talk to these guys uh, in the village that uh, is close to make a peace, give him some foods, give him some fuel. So tell him, do not attack, do not kill any more innocent people and attack our convoy anymore. What your problem is? So he said, can you do that? I said, let me figure it out. So I talked to a couple major Sudanese that were getting money for, for U.S. to try to help, help their people and help us. Yeah, those people come with us to the patrol too every, every day. So I said, Changi, is you serious? Said, yes, it's a dangerous job. I said, I don't care. Let's go do it. And my co- I was in a uh, uh, camp of uh, capital of Darfur, uh, Sufia. I, I think so, yeah. God, I think something like Anyway, uh, uh, he talked to a couple rebels and he said, okay. We're not going to attack you guys. Just let's go talk. So they, the the African Union uh, commander, uh, uh, he did uh, supply for us a CH twenty no MI twenty seven. I don't know. You see MI twenty seven? I never seen it in my life. This MI twenty seven is a huge, huge bigger than the CH fifty three, twice bigger. Yeah. So I talked to commander from uh, uh, Rwanda because the Rwanda soldiers they were they were they were protecting us from camp and all the way to the patrol. So we got we got uh, five Sudanese, uh, seven, eight, uh, uh, another people came with us from that area two rebels and 15 uh, uh, Rwanda soldiers for, for security. So we took off, we landed in the God knows where. So we landed and they, uh, the chief of the village, very nice, he knew we coming. So he set up the nice chairs for us close to trees uh, and a tea and cookie. And I went about 200 meters to the east to meet the rebels. So after half an hour after we landed, sitting, waiting for them, oh, God, I see 10, 15 pickup truck coming, the guy with the machine gun, with the AKs, turbans, face cover, everything. Then I put my hand all the way up. So God help me. I hope they don't kill me. Yeah. I said, God help me. Then I said, Allah Akbar. Uh, God is great. They stop. And I say, my name is Muhammad. I didn't say my name is Chinese because uh, I said my name is Muhammad. So I shook their hand. Uh, so they they escorted him to the table, and we have the couple translator from Sudanese. Very good translators. The Arabic to the English. So I, I just sat down, uh, watch what they're doing, the talk after 45 minutes or one hour, hour and a half. So green tea, you know, they're very surprised, they're very pleased. 
they, they promise him, hey, yes, we give you some food, we give you some fuel. Uh, that was it. To be honest with you, since I was there about 13, 14 months, I never see any attack. Before, yes, after you want to before one of the attacks happened to my colleague, sir, he was retired, special forces too, that burned the whole village, they killed 25, 30 people. And he came, he came back safe, stayed with me two weeks. But after that, nothing happened when I was there. Yeah, and, and yeah. That, that whole situation was just crazy out there. Oh, you better believe it. And after week on two, we called Aldery. Aldery was belonged to President Carter, uh, baby Bushop, and Nelson Mandela's wife supposed to come over. David came over. But before before the the, the embassy secret service uh, uh, checked uh, check me, check a couple more guys, our, our background, are, are we safe? Are we okay? So they chose me to drive President Carter and Bishop Uto and Nelson Mandela as a driver. I said, yes, because I have experience. I did VIP protection uh, about five, six years. So they chose me and I was his driver. I was armed and, uh, and the Secret Service agent sit next to me. And those three sit behind. And person uh, called asked me, uh, what is your name? I said, sir, my name is Chengiz. Are you, do you remember who I am? He said, no. I said, sir, I'm that guy. Send you letter 19, before hostage rescue, 19, before 1991. They tell you who I am, what can I do? Uh, let me choose my 18, go Iran, release the hostages. He said, he never got the letter. I said, serious? He said, no problem, sir. Uh, uh, probably uh, nobody gave it to you. What happened? Uh, happened is uh, is gone. He he was surprised. He was surprised I did that. There's a story from Dor Dorfur. Right. So and, and, you know we we kind of went through briefly in, in some of these topics, but sure. in your book you you go into more detail on on this yes, and, and much more. Yes, um, it is. And and your book is available everywhere books are sold. Uh, the easiest place is probably Amazon.com to if anyone wants to like order it. Yes, it is Amazon.com. It is on uh, Noble, uh, actually Barnes Noble. I see it myself. Uh, I, I see a couple uh, library, uh, actually bookstore in Monterey, California. Also, I, a couple guys, matter of fact, yesterday, day before yesterday, they told me that your book is the library. I said, serious? I said, yes. Yeah. So I'm so glad. I'm just telling people, I just want to tell everybody in the world, especially Americans, hey, don't judge me by my accent, my religion. I'm American by heart. I love this country. I cannot judge. Only God can judge. And let's get together, get a get the job done yeah Changiz, i just want to thank you for coming on here yes sir you know you you've done a, a tremendous service to this country thank you sir you know i know serving as a muslim uh where you served wasn't wasn't something e that's easy to do mm. you did it so 
I just want to thank you for your service. Thank you, and, friend. Um, and again, thank you for coming on. And uh, hopefully welcome. we'll have you back on. Hopefully too. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs>